Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Good evening, church family. It's good to be with you again on Wednesday night and uh, thank you for listening to our podcast and we uh, welcome others that are joining us tonight and uh, we're very appreciative of your input and your comments about our Wednesday evening services and hopefully soon we'll be able to do something better meet at the church and uh, have a regular service on Wednesday night but right now we're uh, continuing to have our Wednesday evening service by remote control so to speak (laughs) by uh, podcast so uh, tonight we're continuing our study of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Tonight we're going to be reading verses 16 through 18 as we look more at what the Apostle Paul is saying in these verses. And his message tonight to us is confidence in ministry. I think it's a very valuable study as we look at what the Apostle Paul had to say about ministry in modern times ministry in our day in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 beginning with verse 16 it says therefore we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolute absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory so we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal let us pray father we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be able to be with you to be able to study your word and be able to present some great understanding from your word that you give us. And I pray that your blessings would be upon each one that's listening tonight. Help us that we might be able to use the things that you're telling us to be more influential in the world in which we live. Help us to reach out to others. And I pray your blessings on the people that are listening tonight and on all of our church. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage contrasts the outward with the inward. I think you noticed that as I read these words. And most people automatically read into this passage a distinction between the material, physical body and the inner soul. But this idea is more a Western idea than it is something that's presented from the Scriptures. 
as we look at this closer, it's clear that the context that the apostle was using contrasts the temporary with the eternal. Now that includes the physical body, of course, but there's much more to it than just that. He is not merely talking about how his body was beginning to waste away. Instead, he was speaking about how all the things of this life, his wealth, his influence, his power, were deteriorating. These were temporary in the first place. So this should be our looking at this as well. This should be how we see things. This passage highlights what is, uh, what is permanent. This is the emphasis. Something on which believers can plant their feet and know what is solid. It will always be there, no matter what changes, no matter what happens in life. It is the gospel message that is preparing all believers for eternity with their loving Creator. Now let's get on into this. Notice verse 16 again. Therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. This is a wonderful verse. But I say this so often that you may think, I love every verse. Well, admittedly I do. I love every verse. But I have to say, I like some verses more than other verses. And this is one of my favorites. As we grow older, our body seems to die out a little bit at a time. Some mornings, I seem to hurt everywhere. Thanks to Mr. Arthritis, right? However, we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. I recently said to my wife, I wish I was 35 again and knew what I know now. This old body that I have is not going to last, is it? I can tell that it's wasting away since, it's hurt, since it hurts all over. <laughs> I'm ready to trade it in for a new model, aren't you? It's beginning to waste away, but the inner man is renewed day by day. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying, and this is his focus. I feel closer to the Lord today than in any other time in my life. I hope you can say that as well. When I was young, I had a lot of enthusiasm, but I didn't know very much. I used to stumble a lot, and I often failed in my service to the Lord. I was a real ignoramus back then. Now, yeah, I'm still somewhat of an ignoramus, but I do know a little more than I knew back then. I've grown a little down through the years. The poet wrote, Let me grow lovely growing old. From the physical point of view, life may be a slow but inevitable slipping down the slope that leads to death. But from the spiritual point of view, life is climbing up the hill that leads to the presence of God. No man need to fear the years for they bring him near, not thinking about death, but of God. Troubles were besetting the apostle as he wrote these things. Opponents were attacking him. 
but he and his colleagues would not lose heart because they knew the greater power behind their message, what they were speaking. 2 Corinthians 3, 16-18 tells us about this. And in the midst of it all, he saw his inner soul, his inner man, the part of himself that was destined for eternity. And he says it will renew their strength. Isaiah 40 verse 31 tells us, Colossians 3.10 as well, the hardships of the apostle and his ministry were real. Indeed, on occasion, he could truthfully speak of them as heavy and almost overwhelming, and he did on occasion. Chapters 1, chapters 11, and other places where he wrote, and they were having their effect. He, however, didn't gripe or complain about how much he was giving up in order to preach the gospel like some people do. Instead, he knew that every trouble, every hardship, every difficulty was able to be endured for Christ's sake, and they were making him spiritually new. This occurred day by day, trouble by trouble. He saw every difficulty as an opportunity to mature in his faith. Do we look at things like that? As Christians, we must live one day at a time in our day. No person, regardless of how wealthy or gifted, can live two days at a time, can they? God provides for us day by day as we pray to Him. He gives us the strength we need according to our daily requirements. Deuteronomy 33 tells us about that. We must not make the mistake of trying to store up grace for future in emergencies because God gives us the grace we need when we need it. Hebrews 4.16 also tells us that. When we learn to live a day at a time, confident in God's care, it takes a great deal of pressure off of our lives. The saying goes, yard by yard, life is hard. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. <laughs> Do we see how that fits in and what we're saying today? It's easy to lose heart and quit. We have all faced problems in our relationships or in our jobs that have caused us to want to think about laying down our tools or our pen or our uh, computer and walking away instead of giving up when persecutions wore him down the apostle paul allowed the holy spirit to strengthen him ephesians 3:16 don't be fragile you see pain criticism can force you off the job renew your commitment to serve god don't forsake your, your earnest rewards that God is storing up because of the intensity of today's pain. I'm very weak. And our weakness allows the resurrection power that Christ has for us that he wants to strengthen us with moment by moment. Remember, we're talking about the resurrection on Sundays now. When you live in faith in Christ, you get the right perspective on life. That's what God wants us to turn around and see. He wants us to think about 
those things when hard times come. And don't get me wrong, I know some of you are going through hardships right now. I know some of you are in pain. Some of you have problems. Some of you, it would be easy for us to ju just throw up your hands and say, I quit. But the Apostle Paul never spent much time looking back. Not looking at the past. But instead spent most of his time looking ahead. Looking forward. He had faced suffering and death as he preached the good news. But he knew that one day his trials would be over and that he would attain God's rest and reward. And as we face great troubles, it's easy to focus on the pain rather than upon the ultimate goal that God has for us. Just as athletes contending in a race keep their focus on the finish line and ignore the discomforts of running that race we too must focus on the reward for our faith and the joy that's set before us that lasts forever no matter what happens to us in this life we have the assurance of eternal life if we know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior Joy and gladness will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee. Isaiah 35 verse 10 says. We can look forward to that. Now notice verse 17. He says, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely uh, incomparable eternal weight of glory. The apostle makes another contrast, doesn't he? Down here, we seem to have a lot of trouble. And doesn't it seem to last a long time? It seems so hard at times. But when we begin to measure it by the weight of the glory that is coming, the things that God has for us someday, it's a light affliction compared to eternity with God. Someone has said, at evening tide it shall be light. Hmm. Psalm 90 verse 4 says, For our momentary light affliction. Notice that he's comparing this to the things of God. It's only a short while, he says, is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Earth is suffering. And our lives are going to suffer as we live in it. And earth's sufferings will be forgotten someday in the glory of heaven. The Apostle Paul knew that nothing in this life lasts forever. He knew that the hardships he endured was a slight momentary affliction in comparison to how long he would enjoy God's presence. He concluded, therefore, that the troubles of this world are an extremely light burden compared to the eternal weight of glory. How long? How long is glory? How long is heaven? Millions? Billions? Trillions of years? 
they don't even compare to the light weight of infinite time. We must not misunderstand this principle and think that a Christian can live any way he pleases and expect everything to turn out all right in the end. Paul was writing about trials experienced in the will of God as he was doing the work of God. God can and does turn suffering into glory, but he cannot turn sin into glory. Sin must be judged because there's no glory in sin. Of itself, suffering will not take us, make us holier men and women unless we yield to the Lord and turn to His Word and trust Him to work out suffering that could make us better Christians, that could bring us closer to God. Do you understand the idea that he's giving here? Our judgment of things depends upon the background against which we see them. Each of us has a mind, a background of ideas and beliefs in the light of which we make our judgments, in the light of which we make our decisions to do or not do certain things. If we have no belief in God or no belief in a future life, if we know nothing of Christ, if our view of the world is that it is merely a mechanical process without spiritual values or purposes, everything will be covered by this outlook. Trouble will be a disaster. Pain will be a calamity. And sorrow a tragedy. But if we have the Christian view, the suffering of earth will be no more than a chisel striking a sculptor, sculpture, forgetting in the beauty of the statue what is being shaped from the marble. With this in mind, may I say to you that no background on, uh, to man's thinking is complete which does not contain the story of the Bible itself the things that God has presented, the things that God says. Without it, our tradition of freedom is hanging in the air, and our moral standards have no solid foundation. I wish I had more time to talk about that today because this is something that is influencing our world today. People are trying to have morality without any standard for morality. But when the Apostle Paul looked at his life, he saw it always in light of his transforming experience, the meeting with the living Christ on the, the road to Damascus. What does the apostle mean by eternal weight of glory to which our light afflic affliction is talking about? It cannot be clearly seen from the perspective of living because the Bible doesn't fully develop the picture we have of heaven, the word weight suggests a balanced scale with all the afflictions put on one side of the scale and the glory of God, the things that we're going to experience in heaven, the blessings and privileges that are ours as a child of God on the other side. 
And these things outweigh the other, don't they? Romans 8, 18 talks a little about that. We're told in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, what I did not see and ear did not hear and what never entered the human mind, God prepared for those who love Him. In other words, it's not been seen, it's not been heard what God is preparing for us that know Him. These things are, are going to be so glorious and we can't even think about them today. They're so marvelous, so wonderful. And God is preparing those things for us today. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, who for the joy lay before him endured the cross and despised the shame. This is talking about Jesus. You see, he was looking to the things that were coming because of what he was doing. He was looking at the salvation that he was providing on the cross and he endured it and despised it because something great was coming. Something wonderful was going to happen. He was providing us and eternity with Him as we place our faith and trust in what He was doing. Against this background of the future glory, the trials of life and all the buffeting of the circumstances that we go through appear in their true perspective. They're small. They're insignificant. They're just momentary afflictions. Now let us notice verse 18. He says, So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The Apostle Paul is saying here, we're not to focus on what is seen, but we're to focus on what He has for us, the unseen. These things that we see all around us are passing away but what is unseen is eternal present-day society is constantly changing right change is expected and people spend their lives trying to keep ahead of this change in the workplace trying to keep ahead of the change that's taking place in the world perhaps the best example we have today are the development of the computer and cell phones. The technology is constantly evolving and something better is always on the horizon. They want us to buy a new cell phone. They want us to buy a new computer, right? If we would only see the visible world the way the Lord wants us to see this temporary place where we're living and we would never be attracted to what the things are offered in the world 1 John chapter 2 the great men and women of faith mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 achieved what they did because they saw what is unseen again we must not press the truth to the extreme 
and think that material and spiritual opposites are the things that, that we're to focus on. When we see the material according to God's will, then these material things can be transformed into spiritual things that we can use to become better in His service for God. All of us need money. All of us need a place to live. All of us need clothing. You know, as we think about life, all of these are just things that, that uh, God would have us to see as temporary yet things that are needed you see we need these things in order for us to do the things God wants us to do so Hebrews chapter 11 about those that have lived before us tells us that faith is proof of what is not seen because Abraham looked for a heavenly city he separated himself from Sodom. But Lot chooses Sodom because he walked by sight and not by faith. What really matters, what is eternal, what is permanent, cannot be seen, touched, or measured. Only with the eyes of faith can we look at these things, at the things that cannot be seen. Only with the eyes of faith can we begin to understand what God's power is going to be able to do for us? The eternal significance of the actions that we take and the things that we do. A believer's help is not in the world. A Christian's help is not in the power and wealth that he can accumulate on earth. Instead, a Christian's hope is in Christ. Someone who cannot be seen at this present moment Yes, he was seen on this earth, but he's not seen today, is he? Nevertheless, Jesus Christ and his significance to every person's life is real enough. That is why Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to live by faith and not by sight. The Corinthians were to take their eyes off of this world, so to speak, for what can be seen is temporary and place them on the Almighty, the one who possesses all power and all ability and everything that's needed. They were into, uh, to invest in what was permanent and eternal and would withstand the unpredictable changes of life. Invest in heavenly treasures that would never dis uh, be dissolved. I think of the changes that have taken place in my life. Wanda and I moved to Tampa, Florida in 1995. We lived there about 20 years. Many of the wonderful Christians I knew have passed away. Churches that were thriving at the time that we moved there have become mere shells of themselves. And some have actually, uh, have actually ceased to exist. The city of Tampa is so different than when we moved there. Some of the old buildings have been torn down, new ones built, and many others stand empty today because the business has failed 
in this depressed economy that we're living in right now. Everything is different. The things which are seen are passing away. The things which are not seen, these are the things of eternal value, and they are beginning to loom larger and larger and larger as we live life. For what is seen is temporary, but what is seen, unseen is eternal. Evil, of course, is still unconquered. The conditions of the world today are filled with uh, despair as we look at the things that are going on in our world right now. Things in Afghanistan, the COVID virus being up in the United States and, and most places in the world. And if we saw nothing else but the temporary, the physical, then that would be discouraging, wouldn't it? That would bring us down. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor, Hebrews 2.9 says. You remember Stephen? Looking at the world around him at the hour of his death, he saw a ring of men tossing stones on him didn't he? Had that been all he saw, if he saw nothing else, his spirit might have failed him. But you remember he looked up and the Bible says he saw God's glory and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, Acts 7.55. And courage and faith filled his soul. His persecutors had no power over his spirit. Their stones became like the hammer strikes which nailed Christ to the cross. His suffering for Christ and with Christ and his response to the situation was like Christ was. And the prayer, like Christ, for the forgiveness of his enemies. The Apostle Paul's final word for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, sums up the Christian outlook with regard to events and circumstances of this material world. Sorrow and suffering may be depressing. They may be painful. But they belong to the world that is passing away. The triumph of evil is only temporary. So also are the honors and material successes and the pleasures which men value. But the unseen things, the love of God that He has for us, the triumph of Christ, the kingdom of God, the character which is the fruit the characters which are the fruit of the Spirit, all these are eternal. They're not at the mercy of change and decay. They continue forever and will last eternally. Our troubles should not diminish our faith or disillusion us. We should realize that there's a purpose in every suffering we go through, everything we face, the problems and human limitations have several benefits to us as we look at them in the right way. 
first of all, they remind us of Christ and His suffering for us. They keep us from pride. They cause us to look beyond this brief life. They prove our faith to others. They give God the opportunity to demonstrate His power in our lives. They bring an eternal reward. And we can go on and on. These, these things that are temporary, these things that we're going through, God is working out for His glory. Our ultimate hope when we are experiencing terrible illness, persecution, pain, is to realize that this life is not all there is. There is life after death. There's eternity to be spent with God. Knowing that we can live forever with God in a place without sin, without suffering, without pain, can help us live above the troubles that we're experiencing in this life. Folks, I'm looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. Aren't you? Now, I love Wanda. I love Bukhetti and Panama. I love Hillside Baptist Church. But I can truthfully say that I am now looking for another city, another place. Of course, the unsaved world thinks we're odd, perhaps even crazy, because we insist on the reality of the unseen world of spiritual blessings. Yet Christians are content to govern their lives by eternal values and not temporary gratification. As we've looked at these verses, as we've thought about these things that the Apostle Paul is explaining, I pray that it will be a benefit and a help to you today. And it may be that we have some listening who have never experienced the eternal. They've never trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They don't have eternal life. And folks, if you're in that category today, I encourage you to look at the Scriptures. It's only through Christ that we can have eternal life. It's only through Him that we can be saved. And I would encourage you today to turn from your sins and turn to Jesus and trust in Him that you might have His salvation. Call me at the number that's given at the end of this podcast or send me a text, send me an email. Let's talk about it. And I would love to explain to you further about what the Apostle Paul has been talking about here in these verses. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege of being able to speak to some people that may need you and may need to turn to you tonight. Maybe others need to be encouraged in their trials and hardships and the things that they're going through. I pray that this message has been a blessing to all that are listening. And I pray that we can rely upon you, that we can turn to you, that your will might be done in each of our lives. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Turn out the lights. The part is over. They say that all good things must end. Call it a night The part is over And 
tomorrow starts the same old thing again. Good evening. That's a familiar song to many of us. Country Western at its best. Turn out the lights, the party's over. The words, turn out the lights, the party's over. They say that all good things must end. Call it a night, the party's over. I asked a lady at the corner vegetable market, do you know the name Willie Nelson? She smiled, I thought, because she was wearing her mask, but she said yes. Another lady said, of course. Then I told the ladies, I'm going to mention his name, that name, uh, in my podcast, which I just did. <laughs> then, book, there's a book called There Is a Season by Lori Cole. Living in Houston, Texas, she wrote the following. But God had other purposes for the storm. The ravages of the storm had taken an enormous physical and emotional and spiritual toll on me. My wounds were deep for months and months and months. God was my healer, my great physician, and the lover of my soul. In my broken, wounded condition, he tenderly, graciously, and mercifully ministered to me. Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote the following, Our supreme concern is with the right faith in Jesus Christ. And our objective is, and always, will be faith, and faith alone, from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17. And then there's Colin Rigsdahl's book that he writes about trees, the tree of knowledge and a tree of life. In Christianity, Jesus' cross is often called the tree. Dr. Don Colbert, MD, in his book, Reversing Diabetes, he says the serenity prayer God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I was startled today at the marketplace. A dear lady came to me wanting to talk to me. 
She had tears in her eyes. She told me she had lost her husband. And then she went on and said, she and her husband escaped from death by hiding in a cave. And God helped them to come to Panama. I asked her, do you know Jesus? She stopped weeping, looking at me, and said, the Bible is just, is just a bunch of lies. I was taken back by her statement. As I came home, a phone call from another lady asking me to pray for two Nobi Indians, both needing prayer about their health. We prayed over the phone. Then she called back, asking for prayer of one who needed to know Christ as their personal Savior. And we prayed for this man over the phone. I, I analyzed all of these seven different things that I've talked about today. And I went over them. Is there any hope in any of them? Number one, turn out the lights. The party's over. Number two, God was my healer, my great physician and the lover of my soul. Number three, always be with faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. Number four, Jesus' cross was the tree. Number five, and wisdom to know the difference. Number six, Bible is just a bunch of lies. Number seven, to know Christ as his personal Savior. And with that, as you think about some of these things, was hope in some of them? Let us conclude by praying for those that might need to know the Lord. Father, we come to thee knowing that we are many without Jesus. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to the heart and trust Jesus as their personal Savior. Amen.
consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the roll and thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art! How great Thou art! Then sings my soul, my Savior. God to thee How great thou art How great thou art Contact information is as follows Dr. Steve Wood Pastor Phone or message at 6438 6541 email at steve r wood 002 at gmail.com prayer requests can be sent directly to hbc prayer list 2020 at gmail.com thank you and god bless